This is the Canna Curio Podcast by Cannabis Media, your source for cannabis and hemp license updates directly from the data vault. Don't forget to subscribe to the Cannabis Media newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay informed of future episodes and data releases. Welcome to the Canna Curio Podcast, hosted by Cannabis Media. We're your hosts, Amanda Guerrero and Ed Keating. On today's show, we're joined by Rachel Fournier, the Director of Marketing at Agrify. Rachel and the Agrify team are some of Cannabis Media's power users, and we are so excited to have her on the show. But as always, we're going to check in with Ed and see what he's uncovered this week from the Data Vault. Ed? Hi, Amanda. So we've been digging into hemp. A lot of the licenses have now been issued. And one of the interesting things that we're seeing is that in some states, we're actually expiring some records out. So people who may have participated in last year's program are not participating currently. So in Colorado, it looked like uh, 1,100 licenses that we had have been expired out. And uh, in Tennessee, only about 73, and in Illinois, 181. So this sort of fits with the theme that I've been reading about and also in talking to participants that says that, you know, after a rough year of 2019 with a lot of hemp not being sold and still sitting in barns across the United States, uh, folks decided to maybe sit a season out or uh, maybe, you know, hang, hang it up altogether for a while. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out through the end of the year and also into uh, 2021. Well, I hope that uh, someone is able to help them so- solve that problem, or at least they were able to get rid of some of their, their excess hemp um, before they, they completely like, their license completely expired. But I don't know. What do you think, Ed? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's been a challenge for that marketplace in some of the research that the team did. We found that for some, it was such a new crop, they didn't necessarily think through all the way to the end to, well, what do I do? Do I have contracts to cons- you know for people to buy this, to process it, et cetera, to get it to market? And a lot didn't. I don't know if they took kind of a, a laissez-faire approach, let's see what happens, or you know if the market just wasn't there. In one panel discussion I participated in, the moderator pointed out that in like 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, people made good money on hemp and it attracted a lot of entry, as you see in virtually any market in an economy. And we probably hit an oversupply situation. And now that it's federally legal, more states are issuing licenses, licenses, licenses. So I think it's going to be tricky. And over time, we'll see a balancing out of supply and demand for sure. But uh, there certainly seems to be lots of ways to use hemp. But I think people are going to have to figure out the markets for them as they do their planning. Yeah, it definitely sounds uh, very similar to the problems that we faced in the Pacific Northwest, you know, a few years back with their, you know, kind of oversupply and under demand. Um, So curious to see how uh, this shakes out in 2020 and moving forward. Looking ahead, we will be speaking with Rachel Fournier of Agrify, and we are so excited. Ed, thank you for the update. Stay tuned, everybody. Agrify is a rapidly growing developer of premium indoor grow solutions for the cannabis and hemp marketplace. Our comprehensive grow solutions have been developed with one mission in mind, to assist our valued customers in producing the highest quality product possible with consistency and superior yields. Agrify is a non-plant touching company. To learn more, check us out at agrify.com. 
That's www.agrify.com. Welcome back to the show. As I mentioned, I'm currently joined by Rachel Fournier, uh, Director of Marketing at Agrify. Rachel, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Amanda. Thank you for having me. How are you guys? We are doing so well uh, this uh, this morning. Very excited to have you on the show. Uh, you know, we know you as one of our power users, but we wanted to give our audience some background. Uh, how long have you been in the cannabis industry? Yeah, so I've been in the cannabis industry for about three years. Uh, it feels a lot longer at this point, but three solid years working in cannabis and you know, loving loving every minute of it. Well, they do say that working in cannabis, a year in cannabis is a year in dog years. So that's about seven years. So you're you're quite you're a veteran now. Look at you. It feels like it. It definitely. And I'm so always surprised when I say that to people, and they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, you've been doing this for a while." <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, where did you work before? Yeah. So I spent some time doing freelance uh, branding and marketing for a variety of CBD and cannabis brands, and. Prior to that, my entry into the industry was with an MSO, uh, Ascend Wellness. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but I was working on their marketing for some of their brands. Yeah, quite familiar with Ascend. Um, you know, they're a pretty well-known uh, group. And you know, in my other life uh, as a cannabis mm-hmm. recruiter, we actually worked with uh, the Ascend uh, group and made some some pretty good big placements there. So uh, nice. very excited to to hear that you're you're from there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a, a good run thus far in the industry and worked with some pretty amazing people. So I'm pretty happy about it. Well, excellent, excellent. Well, now that you're at Agrify, you know, as we always try and do during the podcast, we'd like to find out, you know, what makes these companies unique. So tell us a little bit more about Agrify and and and, and your claim to fame. Yeah, so Agrify is a developer of premium cultivation solutions and uh, one of the reasons, you know, I, I jumped in with them and why I'm so excited is because I really feel like, well, they're on to something. I've been on the client side, so I, I know quite well some of the, um, for lack of a better word, some of the struggles that people go, getting into the space experience. And what I truly loved about Agrify and what I think makes them unique is that they really take a total solutions approach. And given that a lot of people that are getting into cannabis are new because it is a fairly new industry still, uh, having a partner, and I say partner because I think that that's important, that truly understands the entire process is just so important. And Agrify has done such a nice job at really no pun intended, but cultivating a, uh, a, a suite of solutions, in, you know, different various types of equipment and also services that really allows us to partner with our customers and, and get them set up, you know, start to finish and helping them put together a process, a cultivation process that is quite um, streamlined and efficient and meets the demands of the market and where we also think the market is going. So in terms of you know what you said about new markets or, or new people in the in the space, does that affect your go-to-market strategy? Like, you know, did you guys, for example, wind up focusing a lot on, let's say, Missouri and Oklahoma because those were sort of the newest markets that have come online uh, most recently? 
Yeah, so it's kind yes and no. So in some ways, yes, because it's really important, I think, when you're helping somebody come up with what their their growing system is going to look like, you really need to be there right at the beginning. So once somebody gets that license, you need to be a part of that process. A lot of states, uh, they require, you know, what your architectural plans are going to look like, you know, they want to know what the build out is. And so it's really important that we get in there early because those things all have a cost associated with them and not just a hard cost, but also like a time cost. And I think the biggest thing for everybody is, you know, getting to market as fast as possible, um, especially after like what can be a long, grueling licensing process. So it's extremely important that we get in with people when they are really at the beginning phases of planning out their cultivation. Um, but it's also interesting. So with that being said, yes, you know, some of the newer markets and especially because we are on the East Coast, we focus a lot on Massachusetts and surrounding states. Um, but also we do have partners on the West Coast that are in more mature markets, which is important because we needed to get a foothold or rather a foot in with people that were experienced and kind of knew what the downsides were in their processes. And so we do have customers on the West Coast in mature markets, but you know, I think a lot of our, our focus or where I think we'll continue to find a lot of success is in fact um, in the newer markets. Yeah, it's interesting, especially your East versus West Coast uh, challenges, because I would imagine that grow practices probably do differ across those kinds of states. Like I know here on the East Coast where I am, a lot of the grow is mandated indoor. Like, you know, yeah. they want they want a door, they want six walls, they want a lock, et cetera. Whereas in other places it, it might be more greenhouse or hoop house or, you know, open field. So uh, I'm curious, you know, from where AgriFi is, how, how do you see grow practices in general really differ across uh, state lines? Yeah, so it, I think, you know, it's funny because I've, I'm in the East Coast as well. Our company's here. I'm from here. I've always worked, for the most part, most of the brands and, you know, the MSO I worked with originally all reside here, so on the East Coast. So I think in my mind, I just automatically assumed everybody was growing indoors, which is so silly. <laughs> um, and I didn't come from, like, I was, a, I was aware of the cultivation process, but I wasn't really as you know, educated in it as I am now. Uh, so coming into this, it was when we first started using cannabis, I was like, yeah, let's just look at all the cultivators. Like that's all opportunity. And then we, our sales team was going through the leads and they're like, mm, a lot of these are, they say farm, which usually means they're outdoor or they're greenhouse. And mm. it was quite interesting, a little bit of a, <laughs> my mind blown moment. Like, <laughs> oh wow, not everybody grows indoors. Um, but yeah, I would say that for us, and we're still a fairly, you know, we're a pretty new company. Um, we we definitely try to not go after the outdoor grows because I mean it's just not low hanging fruit. the The amount of right. steps, yeah, it's already such a a new way of growing, and like our whole cultivation process and what we are pitching is very um it, it's very original and so i think just that additional hurdle of trying to get somebody indoors is, is really a tough one 
Uh, I do think it'll come with time. I think a lot of people are going to move towards that because when you talk about heavy, although people, you know, maybe before things were legal, they were growing outside, but now with all the heavy regulations, it's quite hard to grow outdoors and, and meet the requirements. No, that, that makes sense. You know, one of the things that I also just wanted to mention is on the hemp side, you know, we've been seeing a lot of licenses come in over the last, you know, six, seven months as, as the season has essentially started between, you know, licensing from the states and also growing from the farmers. And we're seeing that people are doing some work indoors. I don't know what that means. I mean, mm. are they growing the whole cycle indoors? Are they starting indoors, et cetera? So it, it'll be an interesting thing for us to see. But hemp hasn't really been a big focus for Agrify, has it? Not a huge focus. We do have some partnerships and products that uh, would probably be seen as, you know, really great solutions in the hemp space. But, you know, in my time, I've, I've been with Agrify for six months, and in my time, I've really focused most of our energies on cannabis. Um, you know, I just, our proprietary vertical farming unit is what's so impressive about it is just being able to have consistency in your products and we're really focused on um, the genetics in the strains and being able to replicate them over and over again by having this controlled environment. And I don't know that hemp is really, you know, just given the cost of it and the lower cost, I just don't know if it would be worth it to grow it in a vertical farming unit or not. I mean, right, right. and I just don't know that we're there yet where people are, you know, focused on the genetics of a hemp plant like they are with cannabis. Yeah, well, one thing that we've seen from a license standpoint and from a data standpoint is uh, Nevada is, I think, the first state we've seen that shares information as to whether a facility is certified to grow both. And mm. we've never seen that before. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, we've seen certainly some companies that have a hemp footprint and a cannabis footprint, but here they're actually saying, well, this facility or this license holder, you know, grows both at this location, which we think is kind of unique. I don't know if we'll see more of that nationwide or if it's just sort of a, a data anomaly that one state is happening to, uh, to to serve up. But but it's great. I mean, it sounds like you guys have, you know, a great product and a, and a great path forward. Yeah. And sort of looking forward, could you share with us sort of any new product launches, markets, or initiatives you've got coming up? Yeah, so I'm not quite at liberty to say what the new product launches are. We do have something well on its way that should be coming out pretty soon. We are always fine-tuning and working on um, finding solutions that parallel with our, solu with our overall solution. And so that continues to be updated, and, you know, we've had a few... Um, LED lights added to our repertoire, but yeah, nothing, nothing outside of that at this point. And in, in regards to new markets, I mean, we're always going after new markets. Um, like I said, you know, our, our sweet spot is really those cultivations that just received their license and mm. are in the process of getting up and running. So we're always looking at new states, um, you know, Oklahoma, Missouri, Massachusetts, New England in general. And we'll continue. In Michigan, don't forget Michigan. In Michigan, they've, yes. They've been issuing a lot of cultivation licenses. Yes, absolutely. Definitely, definitely Michigan. So, yeah. Well, speaking.
speaking of new markets and you know identifying prospects, Rachel, I wanted to bring it back to, to cannabis media and find out what are some of the ways that you and your team utilize the cannabis media platform? Yeah, so cannabis has been a, a, an amazing tool for us for marketing and for our sales team. We pretty much have everybody utilizing it at this point. It's just, it's probably the only database that I've come across that really has all of the contacts that we need in a central location. Um, and what else you guys have that I love is just your your different filters. They were definitely carefully thought out and they allow us to be very specific in our messaging, which is so important. You know, I think just the fact that you can even dwindle down to HPS versus LED lighting or um, you can see who's had violations. And I also, I love the email updates. I'm constantly, you know, um, floating them around the company like, hey, did you see this? So I, I just appreciate how up to date it always is. And I feel like there's just, it's like endless with info. I love that. Yeah, the email updates uh, are super helpful, especially you know when you're looking at that prospecting uh, aspect for your sales team and identifying uh, licenses and new markets, or you know who just got who was just granted a license. Um, you know, it can be super super helpful. Um, now, in terms of you know the sales tools that you guys have uh, used before, uh, how does this tool compare? I would just say that every time we are on a call to look at other sales tools and one, it's like never industry specific. And when we ask them to pull up our category, there's like 10 <laughs> contacts. So it's really difficult to find other sales tools that have this kind of data. And even the ones that are more specific or catering towards our industry, I've found that it's a lot of generic contacts and I can't always get to a decision maker. And I find that the contacts that you guys have and the categories and the filters that you guys provide are definitely, it, it, it seems like whoever's putting this together has you know, worked on the other side of things. So it's extremely beneficial. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, to your point, the information that we're tracking, it's not just what you find off of the, the state websites or what's publicly available. You know, our team of 25 researchers that Ed oversees, um, you know, they, they're really focused and targeted on finding and verifying this information so that you and your team are provided, you know, with uh, the, the best available data as well as, you know, information to help you guys uh, prospect uh, smarter, right? Um, you know, specifically, you know, with the violations, um, you know, it's kind of curious, how do you and your team utilize the, the violations aspect? Yeah, so like I said, our vertical farming unit, you know, what's so appealing about it is that it's it provides a completely enclosed growing unit and so it's a controlled environment so when you talk about violations well, why do violations happen and uh, it's really important I think you know when we talk about new markets like of course that's great but then an opportunity for us to break into some of the more mature markets are people that have had violations they've had some issues they maybe they've had botrytis powdery mildew whatever it might be and when we present them with a controlled environment it's a lot more appealing, you know, until you've experienced the pain of crop devastation, you really don't know what you're dealing with. 
Yeah, 100%, because the insurance doesn't always cover it. No, and it's also just the time that is lost, right? Like, the demand is there, so you're losing that time. 100%, 100%. Well, do you, are there any tips or tricks that you would like to share uh, with our, our current listeners? Yeah, I think it's really important right now, especially just given everything that's going on in the world, um, you know, we're not in front of our customers, so a lot of people are doing things digitally. It's really kind of the only option out there, right? So I would just say it's it's so important to be intentional in your messaging. Like know what it is you want to get across. Be very deliberate in who you're reaching out to. If you can, instead of doing like a mass email blast, maybe bring that in more and look at it by state, by you know maturity level in the market space and cater and tailor your language to those people because you know we're all getting inundated with email right now. So the more specific and the more you know custom and just sensitive too that we can be in our messaging, I think the much better response we're all gonna have. And on top of that, you know, little things like using people's names, companies' names, I always find that that helps. Um, having a conversion path in mind, you know, if people are engaging with your email, like what, know what you want your next step to be before you do that and have different next steps based off of the types of response. And I'd say most importantly, providing value so something that agrify has done and and we're not you know the only ones doing this right now but you know provide value right now to your audience create content offers that matter product brochures are great there's they're obviously you know you have to have them but is there something else that you can do is there a video that talks about what your company values or um, you know, and what what is your social responsibility? How are you giving back? Like, people want to understand brands right now, and you know, while they're getting inundated, the more personal you can be, I think, the better. And if you can get other people on your team to also highlight who they are and kind of you know give a more human element to what you're doing, the better off I think your company will be. And so, and back to what I was saying with what we're doing right now, we've been doing a weekly live, kind of like a lot, like a live Zoom recording with um, our co-host from Agrify and also a guest, in usually in cultivation. And it's really just, it's not about pitching our products, it's just about educating our audience and also educating us. And, um, and that's, you know, that's providing value without asking anything in return. And I think that that's really important right now. Well, Rachel, you certainly sound like a very evolved marketer. If we ever get to having a user conference, I'm probably going to have you come and talk about this is how you need to market. And here's why, because, you know, too often we see people in this space, uh, hopefully not our customers, but who rely on the old spray and pray, like just give me a list and I'm just going to hit it as many times as I can. And I don't care what message it is. And as long as I get it out, because I just want to feed leads to the sales force. And we have tried really hard on the data side to provide lots of other information, lots of ways to uh, uh, interact with the license holders that we have, because they're hard to find and they do get, you know, a, a fair number of messages. And I, I think all those things that you just outlined really articulate what 
uh, an evolved marketer should be doing in this uh, in this day and age. So so you know kudos on that. Um, you. you know one of the questions I wanted to ask is you know as you know we did a little bit of the look forward about new markets. I wanted to do a look back on biggest achievement in the last 12 months. Could be corporate and or personal. You know, we'd, we'd just love to hear more about you and Agrify and, and the story. Yeah, so I'll give you both. So on a personal level, this was, you know, this is a, a much more technical um, set of products. You know, I was used to working on uh, more like B2C, what, what our what our brands were going to be, whether it was CBD or cannabis. And so coming over to cultivation and, and working with this enterprise equipment, I knew it was going to be a challenge, especially with something that is so modern and, you know, there's software involved and some of our growers are from a different time. And so it's it's definitely, I knew it was going to be a challenge, but it's an, a challenge that I really enjoy. And cultivation is, is so interesting. Um, so I think for me personally, just taking on this kind of challenge and expanding my knowledge into the cultivation side is something that I'm really proud of and I'm continuing to learn every day. And I'm so lucky to have the team that I have and the people in horticulture that are on our team are just endless uh, breaths of knowledge, which is incredible to have at my fingertips. And then from a business standpoint, um, last quarter we did exceed our goals, and we where we have a uh, we're coming to a close and have a really strong quarter again. And with all things considered, you know we still have been able to keep the ball rolling. Um, the only thing really that I'd say set us back a little bit was just obviously COVID had its mm. effects and. Our clients are going through the licensing process, so things kind of got slowed down, but we haven't lost anybody. I think the Agrify Live videos we do weekly, we invite all of those customers to those videos, and I think that they find a lot of value in that um, and just continuing to receive that education from us. So, yeah, I would say just, you know, last quarter and, and also just in terms of being able to... Um, to keep moving the ball forward with everything that's been happening. I'm pretty proud of that. Well, that's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us on today's show. It has been so informative and, you know, to echo Ed's statements, you are so articulate. You know, when you were talking about the, you know, email marketing, I could have sworn you were reading it directly from one of our help articles <laughs> because you just, you nailed it. You nailed it. Great job. But thank you so much for you joining us on today's show. And uh, we look forward to seeing what you and Agrify uh, have up your sleeve in the coming months. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you for cannabis. And honestly, we couldn't do it without you guys. <laughs> We'd love to hear that. Thank you. Well, Ed, uh, that was a, a great interview. So happy uh, that we got to speak with Rachel. Um, wanted to take a look ahead and see what data and, and license updates we have to look forward to uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, so we've been doing a lot of cleanup work, and we've been dealing with some of the challenges of three of the largest states have really changed or reduced what they make available, you know, thanks to sort of the the riots uh, that were out there, a lot of the states uh, have stopped publishing information about their licenses or they've 
greatly reduce the amount of data they share. So this is California, Washington, and Colorado. Uh, although Colorado seems to be maybe in a maintenance mode with their tools. So in some of the largest markets, uh, there's different data available. So we've been reaching out to regulators, trying to see what we can find and work on. So that's definitely been an interesting um, interesting challenge for us. And then number two is we're gearing up for our point of sale survey. Um, so we've done two point of sale software surveys over the last couple of years, 2018 and 19, where we check in with dispensaries and retailers to find out who are they using for that function. And we um, are gonna start that process again this year. It's gonna be a little bit more challenging because there are so many dispensaries in Oklahoma. Um, I think you know, well over a thousand, maybe 1300, and uh, that's more than several states combined. So, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what we learn about, and we're also gonna try and do a really good job of trying to track if there've been many changes, like did somebody go from provider A to, to provider B? And you know, we'll see how, uh, what that data tells us as we, uh, as we move forward on that over the next couple months. So exciting. I, we always, I always look forward to the point of sale survey because uh, it also gives us, uh, from a sales perspective, a sales uh, representative perspective, uh, a good prospect list as well. So uh, excited to get that. And then, Ed, you know, quickly, I wanted to ask you, do you think that with uh, COVID lingering and, you know, uh, kind of all the things that are going on in the world, do you think that the license holders or the states uh, not putting up license holder information on their websites is going to turn into a long-term problem? Oh, it's a good question. I'm not sure. I think some could use it as an excuse to just publish less information, which I think is a little bit tough when you're trying to make the industry transparent. We've seen so many cases where there have been shenanigans at the state level and how licenses are given out. And if you don't know who's winning those licenses or their relationship to the license issuers, that can be a problem. So I think there will probably be a push for it, but you know, it's really going to be up to each state and um, you know, we're, we're just doing our best to try and you know, track down whatever information we can. You know, sometimes the information may still be available locally, uh, but then it's a much slower process and you're trying to go through you know, zoning board minutes and, 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 and agendas and whatnot, trying to find out data. And that's just not an efficient way to keep tabs on 100,000 different licenses. So I'm hoping it's just a short-term blip and not a long-term headache. Well, we will keep our fingers and toes crossed here that it's a short-term blip. But thank you everyone for joining us on today's podcast. We're your host, Amanda Guerrero and Ed Keating. Stay tuned for more updates from the Data Vault. Thanks for listening to the Canacurio podcast by Cannabis Media. Stay up to date with the latest episodes of the podcast and get alerts on the latest licensing activity in the United States and Canada, as well as exclusive industry insights by signing up for the Cannabis Media licensing newsletter at cannabis.media newsletter.